today we are going to wrap up the series practicing the way of Jesus. It's been a fantastic series. I think it's one we need to keep touching on every year since it's at the core of who we should be as disciples or apprentices as we talked about last week of Jesus. Uh, to get into uh, today's message, I want to start with the scripture in 1 John 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 3. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 will be coming up on the screen. I hope you're all ready for today's message. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commands is a liar. That's just straight shooting right there. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, referring to Jesus. Let's just look at that last verse one more time. Whoever says he abides in him, whoever says he's a Christian, whoever says he's a follower of God, whoever says these things ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, in which Jesus walked. This is the essence of practicing the way of Jesus, that it's not something we subscribe to, like an email newsletter. Being a Christian isn't like being a club, and once you pay your dues, you're in it. Actually, we're being invited into a way of life, and the way of life is different to our old life, and so how we live in it, we live in the footsteps of Jesus. We lived as he lived, we walk as he walked, and that is what we're talking about with this idea of practicing the way of Jesus. It doesn't mean that you have to dress like him in his tunic, in his sort of ancient Eastern style of dress. It doesn't mean that you have to not marry like Jesus never married. It doesn't mean that you have to be from the Middle East or a Jew or anything like that. But we do need to look at the life of Jesus, and this is the essence of what we're doing, and see that he had a way of living, he had a way of trusting and he had a way of relating and that we want to walk in the same manner that he walked. We want to live in relationship with God like Jesus lived in the relationship with his heavenly father. We want to live with other people, both friends and enemies, like Jesus lived with other people. We want to live with our wider community like Jesus did. We want to have a relationship with our government and different powers like Jesus did. We want to get all of our cues on how to live our lives from Jesus because he is the expert on living life. He nailed life. He mastered it. He clocked it. And he's showing us the way to live as his apprentices. So our aim as apprentices is to walk like he walked. But to do that, we actually have to will or want what he willed. And we have to think like he thinks. And we have to see the world like he sees the world. And we have to see God like he saw God. And all of this way, if our walking is informed by our will, by our thinking, by our seeing, and by our relating, these things get formed or transformed or sanctified or renewed, whatever sort of Christian word you want to use, these things get formed through spiritual practices, and that's the essence of practicing the way of Jesus. Man, there's so many spiritual practices. We've got this book at home, and it's literally got hundreds of spiritual practices. There's prayer. There's reading the Word, meditating on the Word, reflecting the Word, studying the Word, letting the Word study you. There's all these different practices. There's worship. There's fellowship. There's communion. There's silence, fasting, reflecting, confessing, 
forgiving, embracing, restraining, waiting, slowing. There's resting. There's meditating on godly things. There's repenting. There's liturgical prayer. There's fixed hour prayer throughout the day. There's gathering with the saints. There's tithing. There's almsgiving or generosity. There's serving others. There's serving the poor. There's God-centered friendship. There's redeemed work. And there's fostering a healthy marriage. And we could keep going on and on and on about just the diversity of practices that we can embrace through our journey that help us learn to will what Jesus willed, think like Jesus thought, see how Jesus sees, relate to God, how Jesus related to God, and therefore walk as Jesus walked. But we must remember, and I want to start with this, we must remember that as powerful as spiritual practices are, they are not the point. Prayer is not the point. Reading the word is not the point. There is a bigger point below these things. And we need to remember that because sometimes we get a sense of whether or not our spiritual life is good or not, or whether or not we've been a good Christian or a bad Christian today. We can have this performance mindset. It's not necessarily healthy, but we can have it. And, and we can get that sense by we, we, whether or not we ticked the boxes on our intended or ought to spiritual practices. And all of us have experienced this. So you can get to the end of the day and go, oh, no, I haven't been that good today. I didn't spend much time in the word or I didn't pray. Or I didn't remember God or I wasn't aware of him or whatever it is. But we must remember spiritual practices are not the point. The point is to become a certain type of person a Jesus-y person, a person that looks like Christ. And what's the essence of that? A person of love. Not love as the way we throw it around our world, but love as it is contained in Jesus and revealed in Jesus. Willing the good for another, willing to sacrifice self for the good for another. This type of love. And so we actually want to measure our journey with God, not based on whether or not we've mastered, you know, spiritual practices to an expert level, but whether or not we're a person that loves like Jesus loved, because that is the main measure in abiding in Christ. And we can know that some practices are about learning to be with God. Some practices are about learning to become like Christ in the way we live and other practices are about learning to be able to do some of the things that Jesus would do if he was us, like heal and serve and prophesy and give and these sorts of things. And so my intention today, we started the conversation last week around why practice in the first place. My intention today is to just to wrap some more thoughts around why practice the way of Jesus. I want to inspire you to go deeper. I know we're all in different parts of our journey, and I love that. Some people aren't even you know, ready yet. Some people have just started their life with God. Some people have been following for 20, 30, 40 years. We're all in different places, and I'm hoping today that we just get inspired to keep going on the journey with God. So I want to give you some metaphors, ways to see spiritual practices that hopefully will inspire you when you're lying in bed in the morning thinking, oh, I don't want to get up when the alarm goes off and go spend time praying, that you would think of one of these metaphors and be like, that's right, that's why I've got to do it. Or when you go to pick up the phone for the thousandth time today, you think, actually, rather than open Instagram or open the news app, I'm going to open the Bible up and spend a couple of minutes with God. Or maybe when you're between meetings or you're between doing things, rather than picking up the phone, you think, I'll just leave that in my pocket and I'm just going to become aware of God. I'm hoping some of these metaphors, these words that we're going to use will inspire you to embrace a deeper way of life with God. 
the first metaphor I want to give you, I hope you're ready, is that practices are like trellis. Are like trellis. John 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine, Jesus said, and you, that's us, are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine and you are the branches. Practices as trellis. We got a grapevine at home. And uh, what I do know is that if I didn't have a structure, we have it tied to our fence with wires and it's sort of going upwards and outwards. If we didn't have that trellis, it would just grow along the ground. And if it grew along the ground, it would be susceptible to rot and decay. It wouldn't be as fruitful as it could be, as it wouldn't be exposed to as much of the sun. It would be very difficult to prune. It would make a mess. All of these sorts of things. And when you drive through areas like Tapuki or Paingaroa and you see all of the, uh, you know, the kiwi fruit vines and you see they've got the shade sails up, they've got, the, uh, they've got all of the poles up, they've got planted the, the uh, kiwi fruit vines in, in rows and then they've got the canopies and then, you know, they string up the, I don't know what they are, the shoots for next season and they get those growing and the canopy for the fruit. If they didn't have all of that structure, all of that trellis, the, fruit, the vines would nowhere near be anywhere as fruitful. And so spiritual practices, they're not the point, but what they do is they help trellis our abiding in God. When you wake up in the morning, you think, this isn't the point. This is just something that helps me abide in God. When I pray, when I read the word, when I gather with the saints and onward with all these spiritual practices, these are things just help me stay structured and form this life that God is wanting to form. They help hold the vine up. They help hold the branches up that I am in Christ. The second word I want you to think of when you think of spiritual practices, I want you to think of them as empowerment empowerment philippians 4 verse 12 says i know how to live on almost nothing or with everything paul says i've learned the secret of living in every situation man have you ever learned the secret of living in every situation in COVID and not in COVID, and rich and poor and all of these things man i want to know whether it's with a full stomach or an empty stomach or with plenty or little paul says he's learned the secret of this for I know I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know what? Paul learned that there is a strength, there is a power, there is mercy, and there is grace in God available to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And that grace, that empowerment, grace is actually, it means empowerment. Mercy is what uh, is like God uh, choosing to look over or forgive our sins and mistakes. But grace is different. Grace is him giving us his spirit so that we can do what we couldn't do without him. Grace is his superpower that he gives us to become a transformed person in Christ. And this is the secret that we can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Spiritual practices are, are practices of empowerment. What type of person are you? Do you drive around your car on the petrol light all of the time? I know some of you, you might not have a choice because of your financial situation, but, not, but many people have a choice. And I know like every time I hop into my wife's car, it's always on empty. It's always down. It's always the petrol lights on. And I think, gosh, just put some fuel in it. 
And some of us, we live our lives like that, where our grace tank, there's this abundant grace available to us. There's power, there's empowerment through God's indwelling spirit available to us every day. But we're driving around on the petrol light all of the time, not really able to go the distance because we need to fill up. We need to fuel up. We need to like like charging your phone, which you got to do about 10 times a day, it feels like these days. Like charging your phone, you need to keep that charge if you're going to live a godly life in this in this world and spiritual practices are an opportunity to get charged up to lean into the power that is available to you in Jesus Christ and with the spirit that is with you taking time any practice that's about taking time to be with God is an opportunity to be filled up and be empowered spiritual practices as empowerment I love this next one because I'm a rebel without a cause sometimes. This is spiritual practices. I know some of you are going to like that as rebellion, rebellion. These are like seeing that spiritual practices are like counter practices. And man, we should love this as Kiwis because we love to do things our own way. We're quite self-assured people. So we should love this idea of spiritual practices. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's like the empowerment we're talking about. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but our struggle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, just keep standing. Spiritual practices are our ways of fighting the very real spiritual battle we are in. I know not everyone likes to think of military metaphors. We like to think of, you know, just peace and love and those sorts of things. But the reality is, if you're a Christian, you're in a battle. There's no neutral ground. The spiritual dark forces have come and they're trying to grab your life. They control the world systems. And I don't want us to get into all these conspiracies. That's just the way it's always been. That, that this realm has been the devil's until the time comes when Jesus triumphantly fully takes it back and we begin to reign with him. But right now we're in the battle. We know that Jesus wins, but right now we're in the battle. And so when we engage in spiritual practices, it's our way of fighting our rebellion. It's our way of counter practices because we've, we've been conditioned in a world to be constantly connected, to be always in a rush to, you know, if you want something, you got to go and get it yourself. Work harder, work harder, go after it, all of these things. And spiritual practices as rebellion, like Sabbath, are our opportunity just to stop for a day and realize, huh, it doesn't all rely on me. God's in control that he can open doors, that he can make things happen and I can rest in him. Spiritual practices like silence just go against the grain of this world that is noise, noise, noise. Spiritual practices like fasting, a rebellion in a world where we're exposed to thousands of marketing messages a day saying you need more things to be happy. But in fasting, we say, I don't need any of these things. I just need God. 
And that is spiritual practices as rebellion. Maybe you got to get up tomorrow and rebel a little bit more in Jesus' name. Spiritual practices. Next one is rewiring. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I know we've talked about it before, but we need to hear it again and again and again. When you put your trust in Jesus and say that he is your Lord and Savior and choose to become his disciple, repenting, turning from your old life and surrendering to him, you actually become a new person in Christ. That's something supernatural, something special, something uh, that matters takes place in you where God's spirit comes and lives in you and you become somebody who's bought with a price. When you're baptized, the old you dies and the new you comes to life. We are new creations, as Paul would say in other places. And But just because we're new doesn't mean that uh, everything about us has been renewed. In fact, this is the difference between... Um, uh, being justified and then being sanctified. We're justified in Christ, but we're going through the process of sanctification where all of us is catching up with the new reality of our transformed selves. It's like you rebuild a home, but you might still have the old wiring and the old wiring's a danger in a new home with new appliances. So there needs to be a new wiring of the will, a new wiring of the thinking a new wiring of the heart, of the soul, a new wiring of our perspective. And spiritual practices give that opportunity for us to be rewired or reprogrammed, if you would. Maybe you go, it's like in, in this world, we're born into a virus. And with Jesus, spiritual practices are like debugging us. They're like getting the glitches out so we might live as we were always designed to live. Things like prayer and the word and fasting, like the word of God, man, that just rewires us. It rewires us. Prayer in the presence of God, it reframes us. It rewires us. Spiritual practices as rewiring. Just a couple more. Spiritual practices as trust, or we could put reliance or dependence, trust. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. I want to level with you here. This is the one that for me gets my heart the most and it causes me to keep getting excited about spiritual practices. When I'm lying in bed, when I'm thinking I could do something that's numbing and easier, but instead I want to do something that fills my soul, it's normally this idea that gets me up and gets me committed and gets me back into the habit because I realize when I'm not reading the word and when I'm not praying and when I'm not fasting and when I'm not practicing whatever spiritual practice it is, what I'm really saying is to God, I can do it on my own. I can do it in my own understanding. I can do it in my own strength. I can do it my own way. I know best. And we know that that is the act of rebellion. That's right back to the original sin in Adam and Eve. But trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. This is our way when we engage in spiritual practices that we're saying, God, I'm trusting in you, so I'm seeking you. God, I'm not leaning on my own stuff. I'm leaning on you, so I'm taking time for you. And this is so important. Spiritual practices, another one we could see them. How many we got left? One, two, three. The next one is food. 
We can see spiritual practices as food. Job 23, 12, Job says, I have not departed from the commands of my lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. I love that. I've treasured the words, speaking of God, the words of God's mouth more than my daily bread. We know that Jesus quoted Deuteronomy in his temptation uh, after his baptism with the devil. And he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes or proceeds from the mouth of God. I wonder, is our spiritual inner person, our spiritual inner man, our spiritual inner woman, is that person starving because we haven't seen spiritual practices as food? We need that soul bread. We need that soul food. We need that soul sustenance. Maybe the inner person in us, if we could just slow down for enough, we would realize that it's crying out and starving at times. Do you know that the average person spends four hours a day on their phone? Now, that doesn't even include their laptop. That doesn't even include, you know, watching Netflix or other screens on their TV. Four hours a day. You know how much that is? That's 60 days a year of your waking life. And if you want to keep extrapolating that out, that's a quarter of your waking life. That's 20 years for the average lifespan of your life, just scrolling around on the phone. And I know some of you are going to have less. Some of you are going to have much more. Man, I tell you, that's not soul food. That's not soul food. And we often say we don't have time, but time is never the issue. Priorities always the issue. Disciplined habits always the issue. And I want you to see spiritual practices as food. If you've got four hours a day or two hours a day for your phone, man, you better have 30 minutes for God. You better have an hour for God. You better have something in there for God. Otherwise, the soul just can't survive without its spiritual food. Second to last, our spiritual practices are like ballast. Do you know what ballast is? Ballast is the, you have it in the bottom of a boat. It might be a weight or in big ships that are coming into the harbor. It's big water tanks that they can fill up and empty. And what it does is it causes the ship to sit deeper in the water. And as it sits deeper in the water, it means that it, storms don't toss it about as much. It means that it's able to plow through the waves better. It gives it a stability amongst the different pressures that want to throw it off course. And Ephesians 4.11 says this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers why? To equip his people for the works of service. You've got works of service that you need to be equipped for so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach such a unity in faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. <coughs> Excuse me. Instead, we'll be speaking the truth in love. We'll grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head and that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its own work. Man's spiritual practices are like forming ballast. 
Here we see the spiritual practices of realizing you're a part of a body, realizing God gives different gifts to the body so that those gifts might build us all up for the works of service. And as we serve each other, every single one of us has a gift. We engage in the spiritual practice of serving one another. Man, we get pulled together in such unity. And when that happens, we've got ballast. We'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people and their deceitful schemes. And some of you have been following Jesus for 20 years, but you're still tossed about. You still haven't even gathered with anybody over the last three months. You don't even have that practice. I wonder about the rest of them. Maybe five minutes in the scripture isn't enough each day or 10 minutes, you know, once a week isn't enough to keep the ballast in times like this or in any time. Really, it's enough to maybe stop you going backwards too fast, but it's not enough to advance in the kingdom of God. And so I want to encourage you to see spiritual practices like ballast, Ephesians 4. And last, but certainly not least, in fact, it's last for a reason here, is that spiritual practices help form awareness of God at all times. Genesis 28 Verse 16, it says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he had a dream. He thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Spiritual practices teach us to live with an awareness and a sense of nearness of the God who is with us in all times. There's not a single place that you can go that God is not with you as a follower of Jesus. You have his indwelling presence everywhere. He has his omnipresence everywhere. And every now and then his manifest presence shows up as well. But everywhere you go, you are never alone. And spiritual practices help us foster an awareness of God everywhere, of God in the morning and God in the evening, of God around the breakfast table and God around, you know, the lunch table at work. Of God in the office, of God on the building site, of God in the truck and God in the school. Wherever you are, there's, a, there's God at work in that place. And as we engage in spiritual practices, we become somebody who becomes more aware of the God who's working at all times in our lives. Man, if we'd put the phone away for a moment and just practice just a, mo a minute of prayer instead first, we would become aware that, man, God, God's with me even right here in the studio filming this. God's with you right wherever you're watching from. God's with you in the doctor's office. God's with you in the hospital. God's with you in the car. And if we could stop, and we could just engage in spiritual practices as we're going. Man, we'd have the sense of God with us at all times. Prayer has got to be the best thing. You can turn to it anywhere. You can do it at any time. You can be praying. You can even be talking with someone else. And you can be praying. Uh, and and, and you, can, uh, you can foster an awareness through these things. So I want to ask this question. What's the fruit of your life? What taste is it leaving in you? And in those around you, is it the taste of love like Jesus has designed? And if it's not, remember that maybe spiritual practices or definitely spiritual practices are the pathway to being formed in the ways of Jesus. You know, we end up misshapen without our trellis. We end up comp compromised without the power of God. We end up yielding to the world's ways and pressures without our rebellion against them. 
We end up staying in old ways of thinking and old ways of feeling and old ways of willing without the rewiring. We end up self-reliant and ultimately rebellious against God without trust. We end up soul-starved and dead without food. We end up tossed to and fro and scared and afraid and fear takes over without the ballast in our lives. And we have a sense of being alone without fostering awareness. John 15 verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, Jesus said, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last and so whatever you ask in, my, in the name of my Father, I will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Fruit that will last. Paul would write this, that these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. We want to be people, if we say that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, we want to be people whose lives are increasingly looking and being experienced and bearing the fruit of a life lived in the footsteps of Jesus. And this gets formed by taking hold of spiritual practices and becoming people who practice these things. Over time, they have a transformational effect. And I'm hoping today that maybe just one or two of those words, one or two of those metaphors is going to grab your heart and cause you to dive deeper into spiritual practices. Get on Google and search some new spiritual practices you could try. There's so many awesome ones out there, and I can't wait to see us as a church. I know it's already happening right now. People are going deeper and deeper and deeper, but I'm praying that every single one of us will go deeper and become more like Jesus, because as a community, we're people practicing the way of Jesus together. <laughs>